Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find His mercy. Man, it's great to be with y'all this morning. I am excited about being here. Um, I don't know about you, but I look forward to being with you um, and being here. I I'm, I'm, uh, pray that uh, through your week, you would, not, not just because of the people that you'll be around, but because of the fact that you're with the body of Christ. I mean, that, that you're, you know, being obedient to the Lord. That's a, that's a big thing. But but throughout your week, uh, I don't know, if you don't, I would encourage you to think about the people that are around you. Uh, in church life, you may not know everybody, but you know their faces. You've sit and you've stared and you have watched them make goofy mistakes and different things in church life, and you've been curious about them. I wonder who that is. And so you at least know that much about them. Think about them and pray about them. Pray for them. And, uh, and then get to know them. Ain't nothing better than having a church family, I'm just going to tell you. Outside of salvation, there's nothing better than having a church family. And so often we'll go, you know, I wish church was like this, or I wish church was like that. Do you know that you are part of the equation to getting it there? Do you realize that? That God wants you to step out, and God wants you to be what He's created you to be. And He has created you, if you're saved, He is ordains you to be a part of the body of Christ, that without you we are not joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, as it tells us in Ephesians. So I encourage you, just right off the cuff, I just want to encourage you, be a part uh, of the body of Christ. Um, so this morning, I want to take this week and next week and go up under the title of To the Victors Go the Spoils. So this week, I've got a good bit of ground to cover. Next week, I'm going to settle in to some things, and we're going to talk about the spoils of the Christian life the, uh, that come from the victory. But this week, I want to focus a little bit on the victory. And before I read, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 26, 27, 28, and 29. Before I read those verses, though, I want to just put, in your, put a thought in your mind and, and it's simply this, what is victory to you? I mean, what, what is victory? Do we go in the way that we're being shown in this world? Because if we're, we go the way we're being shown in this world, then it's okay to talk bad about your parents and your grandparents. And that's what Prince Harry's proven, right? That regardless of what God says... Because God says, honor your father and mother. But victory is being seen in their lives as being 
You dishonor your father and mother. You dishonor because they did wrong, but God never put that in there. God just said, you honor your father and mother. In the end, we would say victory would be speaking out, but then they fired Pierce Morgan for speaking out. So I don't know if that's victory. Victory might be putting your faith in the government, because that's what we've been told to do. Put our faith in the government, and if we'll do what they say, and we'll be good little boys and good little girls, we might get to have a cookout in our backyard come 4th of July. <laughs> I don't know if y'all watched, that's what I heard. Um, <laughs> let a man be justified by what he says, Amen. So I don't, victory, what is victory? Is victory in the Christian life going around telling everybody they're going to hell? You know, what is, what is victory? Because I don't know about you, but I want this victory. I want to be victorious in my life. I've failed many times. And I think anybody that's ever been uh, alive any length of time, you can admit that you have failures and, they, failures and they say that, you know, hey, if you're not having failures in your life, you're really not striving because, you know, you're going to succeed, but along with the successes, you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have things that you maybe didn't make the right choice on you, or you, maybe you could have made a better choice, and that's just part of growing. But the victory I'm talking about is the victory that is enduring, the victory that lasts forever and ever. In other words, forever and ever and ever to be victorious. My, my dad had a few sets of baseball cards stowed away. Uh, F4 Tornado in 1984 ridded him of his collection. Uh, many, many, many things were collected up in that building. There, the whole attic was full of trim for 1955, 56, and 57 Chevrolets. They had had the foresight that in the early 70s and the mid-70s, they went around the junkyards knowing that these were going to be classics. They had nomad tailgates with the glass in them. I mean, they is stacked full. And I see many things that, as a kid, I remember. Those Yankee baseball cards, Babe Ruth, and all this stuff. See, we owned a gas station uh, on Highway 321. I say we did. I never owned one. My family owned one. But back in the day, that was the pawn shop, you know, and, and, and I mean, so I, I, I watched, uh, and, and, and the thing that went to my mind was, you know, when that tornado took those cards away, and as people get further along in life, the victory that they won, winning a pennant, it might get forgotten. And at some point in time, it will. I, I remember, how many of y'all remember, remember throwing away your trophies? That's a tough thing, ain't it? Christy had her softball trophies. I had my basketball trophies and stuff. And man, I was like, golly, I, when, when did, was we still here? I mean, did we move here or was it just before moving here? We carried those things around with us, you know? Some of y'all still got some. I know you do. <laughs> some of you still. My brother, I told you last week, my brother played on two, team, two times that went to the state championship, won once. And my mom's got his memorabilia from his football years. As time goes on, those victories get further and further in the distance, don't they? So what is victory? Victory. 
So I want to, let's, let's read these verses. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26, 27, 28, and 29. He says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known. What are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, he says, I also labor, striving according to his working, which he works in me mightily. A key phrase that I want you to hold on to this week and next week is where Paul says, to this end. Let's pray. Father, please take your word this morning, encourage us, convict us. May the power of God strengthen us. And may we, if we are children of God, if, if, if anyone that's in here that is, is a born-again believer... May you strengthen us in the knowledge of this mystery, understanding that the cross is all I need, just as Jeremy sung. Father, if there's anyone that does not know you, salvation is your business. The gospel is mine. May the gospel... And your power in the gospel brings salvation to them. In Christ's name, amen. To the victors go the spoils. I'm excited about Easter coming up. We will celebrate the victory of Jesus Christ. His victory over death, hell, and the grave. That's one victory that won't grow old over time. Because forever and forever... There will be celebration around the throne of God. Why? Because the Lamb has overcome. As a matter of fact, there is celebration going on right now. They are, there, is, there are cherubim, there are they, the seraphim, they are, they, are, they are celebrating around the throne right now. They, they are worshiping Him. Why? Because He is the Lamb that was slain and is alive forevermore. I mean, He is the victorious, conquering King. And so there, there's, there's victory there, and I want to be a part of that. That's the only victory that I know that lasts. That's the only, uh, only thing that I know that is enduring. I want, to be, uh, I want to live in that. I don't want to just know about that. I want that victory to be a part of my life. He's promised me that I can be a part of that. Now, and I think you can go through this life as a Christian, and you can live a mundane Christian life. You're... you're I think God gives you that opportunity. There is a thing called God's perfect will and a thing called God's permissive will. And I think that we can try and strive to stay in God's perfect will for our lives. But then there's those times when we are disobedient to God or we just don't know His Word and we live a certain way. And God allows us to live in His permissive will. And He's going to bring about the, the end. I mean, He's going to... Yes, I'm going home to heaven, but how sad is it to know that you have the keys to the greatest treasures in life, but you never unlock the chest? That's sad to know that it's right there in the, 
at our fingertips. And here it is. I mean, do you know that victory begins with a revealed mystery? Victory begins with a revealed mystery. See, there's one thing that I don't want you to take away from here today is that you can win the victory in yourself. Do you know that uh, if we read the text here in 26 and 27, look at 26. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generation, but now has been revealed to his saints. That revealed mystery is revealed exclusively to his saints. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And you say, that's right, I, I believed in his name. But then you look at John 6.44, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And he even promises, and his promises are true. He, he is faithful. Because he says, I will raise him up at the last day. Talking about us. Those that the Father has drawn in, he will in no way, the Bible says, lose any of them. Do you notice that that victory that I'm talking about, it, it, it begins in this mystery that's been revealed to us. I didn't have the victory until my eyes were open. I didn't even know about the victory. Let me, let me take that back. The victory had me, I guess you could say, but I didn't have the victory. Because even before August 1999, I've been in, in, in his plan since before the foundation of the world. I can't get away from what the Bible says. I don't know about you. You might not like that, but that's what the Bible says. That he chose me in him before the foundation of the world. Did you know, though, that it was not me who gave myself the victory? I did not give myself the victory. It was revealed to me that day in August of 1999. And if you're saved today, God revealed a mystery to you. What kind of mystery? He revealed, it's revealed to exalt Emmanuel, God with us. That is why God saved you ultimately is to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. And when we, when we pull it down to the brass tacks, God did not save you because you're pretty. God did not save you because you're handsome. God did not save you because you have this unique ability that he's so needed in his kingdom. And he can't build the current kingdom without all of your gifts and all of your talents. But yet he can make a tree from nothing. I guess my whole point here I'm trying to get across to you is if you have the victory, the victory starts with this mystery. Because until you're saved, that's all it is. is the, it's just a mystery. People are lost today. And did you know that they don't know that they're lost? Not until God opens their eyes. I know He does it through the preaching of His Word. I know, he, I know the Holy Spirit does it. I don't understand all that there is to know about all those things. But I know this. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And that happened because... Jesus exalted Emmanuel, God with us. See, that's, that's one thing that he's trying to get out in this mystery is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, 
This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom Paul says, I am chief. You see, he is exalting Jesus Christ in all of these things because God himself came to be born into a fleshly body that God with us, Emmanuel, that he would exalt him. He came to do the will of the Father, but the Father's desire was to exalt Christ on high. He gave him the kingdom. He gave him the, 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 the rights to us. In other words, and I know they're co-equal, but isn't it cool to see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together and never striving with each other? They have nothing to prove to outprove each other. And, and, and in this all, everybody is focused. I say everybody. Each person of the Trinity is focused on one thing, bringing glory to Christ. That's why the Holy Spirit's here. That's why the Holy Spirit lives in you. He bears witness of who? Christ. He is exalting and magnifying Christ. And that's one way, and I just throw this in there as a tidbit. Anytime you see a ministry that exalts the Spirit over Christ, you got a problem. Because the Spirit Himself never even came here to exalt the Spirit. He came here to exalt Christ. And He works through us. It's revealed to unite people in Christ. This mystery is simply, listen, and it's more than this, but I just want you to get this, this simple. We've, we've been kind of in this chapter, kind of nailing a lot of things down even before then. But listen, it's revealed, don't miss that it is, if you are saved, if this mystery has been revealed to you, it is revealed to you because now you are a saint. And that is the only ones that it's revealed to. He says it right there in verse 26. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's revealed to unite people in Christ. I think this is important because he, he opens the eyes of the folks that are his saints and helps them realize that this glorious mystery, the glory of this mystery has been given to the Gentiles. Well, what did that do? Well, that tore down a lot of barriers, or at least it began to, it began to tear down barriers anyhow. John 3.16 says, For God so loved Cleveland County. <laughs> no, it says, For God so loved the world. It also didn't say, For God so loved white people, or God so loved black people, or God so loved, you know, brown and tanned and doesn't, doesn't matter. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever not what Jews believe or what North Carolinians believe nor what Africans believe but whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Acts seventeen twenty six says and He made he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. That God in this mystery, in this mystery, God has given victory to us and He's given it to us by revealing a mystery to us as His people. 
He is exalting Jesus Christ in this mystery, by the revealing of this mystery. And He is uniting us together because it's not about us, it's about Him. Do you know that God does what He chooses? He never does lie. He never is not going to make good on His promises. But yet God is the only one that can rightly do whatever He chooses. He's perfect. Driving, driving that point home, I've had my, uh, my heart's kind of been arrested a little bit to start investing in my oldest grandchild. He's at the age to where he's very inquisitive. And man, we talk about everything. Golly, I took him with me Friday afternoon down to my mom and dad's to grandma and granddaddy's. And uh, I'm Pops. I ain't Grandpa. I'm Pops. And so we went down. I called Christy. I said, we ain't made it two miles out of town. And you would not believe we have seen four dump trucks, three flatbeds, <laughs> two bucket trucks. And I went, I mean, on and on and on. I said, yeah, we got a few miles yet to go. We got about 74 more miles to go. I said, we are going to see all kind of things on our road. But as we were riding down the road, I said, Sawyer, I said, who made this place? God did. I said, Sawyer, who made you? God did. I said, Sawyer, God made you special above everything, buddy. And I just, in my heart, I'm sitting there going, I have the opportunity to pour into him what God is pouring into me. It's okay to know about trucks and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, if you're going to have a victory, you need a revealed mystery. You need an exalted Savior. And you need to understand that you're not the only person on the face of this planet. Did you know that victory is sweetened by responsible ministry? Like I told you before, I'm going to heaven. I, I, you, you might not believe that, but I know in my heart, you have to know about you, but I'm going to heaven. I, I, I know because I know that I know that I'm going to heaven. And not off of my merit, not off of my promises, but off of his. Okay? So I'm going to, to get there. And as I told you before, though, my journey from now until then can be a lot of different ways. I can get in God's perfect will, and in God's perfect will, it does not really matter what man believes about the success or the victory of the ministry that I'm a part of. And, and you understand, I'm talking about all of us because everybody is in ministry. If you are saved today, you have a responsibility to do ministry. I don't think we, I think we need to nail this down. I have never been more proud. I have been proud, but I've never been more proud than I, than I have been this past week and in weeks prior. We have one of the most active deacon bodies that I know of, that I have ever been around personally. I mean, I'm, and, and to God be the glory, this week, everything will always turn out just like you want to. This week, 
I had several responsibilities, things I had to get taken care of, but it doesn't matter if, but you got, if you, cause you got things you got to do. So if you got something that takes up some time during the day, guess what? Your day gets a little longer. I'm preaching outside of preaching here just a moment, you know, because you got to fulfill your responsibilities. So when I know that there's three hours worth of stuff that I got to get done because I can't get them done no other time than the things that I can get done whenever I can get them done, I have to get them done. So yesterday, I don't know, baby. Yesterday was about a 12-hour day for me. About the first four to five hours of it was finishing up this and finishing up this in me. And then I had other things. I finished the night off last night with a visit. And when I made the phone call out, it's when I was sitting there with them, I said, I got to go. So I said, first off, if there's supper at the house, it's getting cold. And then on top of all that, I got to make a phone call before this thing, it goes, time's fixing to change. Responsibilities. I have the responsibility to do ministry, but you do too. And I watched yesterday as many of our deacons were helping knock out some projects around and there was a time in my life when I could not sit down there and do the, the things that I needed to do. But see, what I know about them and many folks here is you want me to do my job. You want me to be here for you. Now, now I'm just not trying to plug me. I'm just trying to plug the fact that you also have responsibility. And, and, and a re responsible ministry is a sweet it's kind of like the icing on the cake to the victory. That one day you see God and he's going to tell you, well done, thy good and faithful servant. We are to be responsible in preaching Christ alone. That's a tall order. In this world that we live in, that is a tall order. That is a tall, that's an order so tall that it could very well in your lifetime put you on the chopping block, literally. We don't know what's ahead of us. But just as me and some, uh, one of the brothers were talking just a moment ago, that, you know, we want things to get better. Everybody does. But do you know that this book has prophesied the end? And, and for things to come to an end, at some point, they got to get worse. So whether in our generation or the generation to come, at some point in time, we are going to have to realize that life is going to change drastically. Could very well be that we might be on the very precipice. We might be just coming across the edge of life changing drastically. But you know what is amazing? The victory never changes. The mandate never changes. God never changes. The same God that brought the martyrs through their situation and took them home to glory is the same God that we serve. Responsible preaching the gospel. First Corinthians two two says, "For I determined to know not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified." Uh, John fourteen six says, "Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through me. It is Christ and Christ alone. I don't think we have to uh, uh, labor in this one, but I want you to understand that your responsibility and my responsibility, if we are going to have a faithful ministry, is to stick with Christ and Christ alone, responsibly proclaiming Christ in the light of eternity. 
I think that this is implied here, verse 27 and 28, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man. Think about that. Warning. We hit this a little bit last week, but I want to drive the point home. Warning every man. In other words, we are to responsibly proclaim Christ in the light of eternity, not in the light of cultural things. In the light of eternity. We do not interpret Scripture through the eyes of culture. Scripture speaks for Scripture. Culture does what culture does. Lost people do what lost people do. You can't fix, I'm fixing to say a bad word. You, you can't fix certain things. But we've not been commanded to do that. We have been commanded to preach the gospel. And in preaching the gospel, there is one way, and his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christos. It means salvation through the anointed one of God. And if you don't have Christ, and this is part of the mystery of the gospel of how God has chosen to proclaim it. If you don't have Christ, you will die and spend eternity separated from him in a place called hell. Where the worm dieth not in eternal punishment and torment. Where it's darkness forever and ever and ever. Eternity is a long time. The long time. Matthew 7, 4, 17 says, from that time, Jesus began to preach. Listen now, if anybody's going to be right, I guess he's going to be right. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Did you hear that? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is, in other words, one day, so I sit with some folks yesterday who have 21 children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren combined up under them. He sat there and wept, saying, every time I see him, preacher, I tell him, be careful, he's coming back. He says, I try to plan it in him. And his heart at this particular moment in his life is he enters that that that. Uh, the sun going down on his life. He's worried about his children, his grandchildren, and his great-grandchildren. Why? Because he knows, he said, one day, he said, I tell him to keep watching to the east because he's coming. He's coming back. Hebrews 9, 27 says, and as it is appointed for man to die once, but after this, the judgment. That he's going to judge us one day. That we're going to stand before him. I don't know about you, but I want to not only be victorious, I want to be the employee of the month. Amen? I want to be the, 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 the brightness of his glory in me. Responsibility, teaching truth above man's thoughts. We preach, uh, we, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. 
I don't need faith in a government. As I heard somebody just say yesterday, they can't even get along with themselves. I'll put my faith in him. I never had my faith in any president or any administration because I know what's in man. I have my faith in the founding principles, but the founding principles come from this book. Truth. Right's right, wrong's wrong. Responsibility, proclaiming Christ in the light of eternity. Responsibility, teaching truth above man's thoughts. Matthew 15, 8 through 9 says, These people draw near to me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. We can't do that in our ministry. You can't do that in your household which is part of your ministry. You can't do that to your children. You can't do that to, to uh, your, the people around you in your workplace. You're going to stand accountable. I'll stand accountable for leading this church and leading my home. You're going to stand accountable for your days too and how you do it. And you can't agree with what's wrong. That don't mean you have to hate people, but you cannot agree with what's wrong. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. His word is the only truth. I keep pulling back because th there's a little bit of method to the madness. It's not just random happenstance. I thank him for his direction and guidance for sure. But if you'll remember, I told you many, many weeks ago, truth has no agenda. And if there's anything that I can keep drilling into us in the day that we live in is that everything outside of truth, everyone outside of truth, there is an agenda. Truth has no agenda. Truth does not need you on its side. It does not need to explain itself. It does not need to justify itself. Truth is just truth. There is a moral law giver and there is a moral law. And we are under that law, whether we like it or not, we're under that law. And we have to live by that law, by that truth, the truth of Scripture. Victory, I believe, is rewarded. Well, victory is marked by a rewarded ministry. In other words, once again, I think that victory in itself... Is, is guaranteed for the Christian. But I believe one day I want to have my ministry and I want you to have your ministry marked by the fact that it's been rewarded. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next week, but I want to kind of lay that foundation here for you. Just take a couple minutes and do that. Victory is marked by a rewarded ministry. Look at Colossians 28 and 29. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now this is Paul's heart. Paul's desire, not just that he might present every man, that we might present every man, everyone that's in Christ, perfect in Christ Jesus. Now I know you and I, we cannot make people perfect. That's not the point here. But that we are to take truth 
And we are to teach truth and we are to live truth before one another. And, and as God works in us to will and to do of His good pleasure, He changes our hearts. And one day when it's all over with, we will be presented to Him faultless. It's hard to believe, isn't it? That me and you, one day we will be presented faultless. Perfect. Before Him. And it will be Christ that has done it. There's no doubt. But you and I have a responsibility. And I believe if we have a responsible ministry, you'll see a rewarded ministry. God, well, let's just, let's hit it. To this end, he says, I also labor, striving according to his working, which he works in me mightily. Now, if we take the context of Scripture, what we know about Paul's life, and we pull all these things together, we know that, Christ, uh, that, that Paul knew that his ministry was going to be rewarded. And the reason he knew that is because he's been faithful. He knows. And he knows that God's going to take care of him. It's rewarded for desiring to finish well. Just off the cuff, we all, want, we all take off like a blaze of glory, don't we? Wide open. I mean, out the gates, here we go. But sometimes ministry is a long, long journey. Never did I ever think that I would be where I'm at today in ministry. I love where I'm at. I don't have to have thousands of people sitting in front of me to be successful in ministry. Lord, I can't keep up with half of what we got. I just want to be faithful. I want to finish. And I've made some mistakes that by the grace of God... I think he, he, well, I need his grace. Just put it that way. I need his grace. And you need his grace to finish well. But you and I have a responsibility. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. John, 2 John 1.8 says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. He says here in this verse 29, and I want to kind of lay, lay this out a little bit. He says, to this end, I also labor, striving. Labor, and when you look it up, it literally means to grow weary, tired with toil or burden. You say, that don't sound so joyous, but you're missing the point that we are to uh, um, agonize in this ministry. We are to press on, realizing, well, we live in a country where work is not an ethic anymore. But God never changed His design. That we are responsible to put in and do what we're supposed to do. Labor to, 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 to grow well, Jesus Christ Himself, let's just say that. Jesus Christ Himself, did He not grow weary in doing good? I say grow weary. He had to rest a little bit. You don't grow, in other words, you don't agonize to the point that you, you quit. You don't, you don't run out of steam. But we are to constantly be pushing forward, just as Christ did. And we won't end up growing weary in well-doing. We'll keep pushing forward. Striving, enter, it means to enter a contest or to contend with adversaries. 
And then he says, To this end we labor striving according to His working which He works in me mightily. Victory is marked by rewarded ministry, a rewarded, rewarded for laboring in His works. Not laboring in what you want to do. Not laboring in what I want to do. Not laboring in my strength, my might, but laboring in His works. Galatians 5.16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. John 15.4 says, abide in me and as, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me, in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. A lot of times in my life I have grown to the point of exhaustion and stopped because I was working too much in my own strength. Some folks, you, you're out there right now, and you desire to see the people around you come to faith. You desire to see them do right. And you get tired and wore out. But you and I, that striving, that, 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 that expulsion of our energy is not meant for us to do the work in our own strength. It's to do the work in, within His working. Um, let me see if I can bring this around. Reward, it's rewarded for submitting to His power. Uh, Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. I've been toying around with Easter. And I say toying, I've been trying to feel out where God wants me to land for Easter. At the end of the day, whether we like it or not, if you are in Christ Jesus... He is your Lord. That's what got Polycarp, well, he got stabbed. The fires didn't touch him. He's executed by somebody stabbing him because the fires didn't burn, burn him. But he was supposed to bow before the powers to be and call them Lord. And he kept responding that Christ is Lord. You and I have a responsibility to submit to Him as our Lord. You'll have a greater fight with yourself than you'll have with anybody else. I believe that. Other people, you can't control what they do, but you're responsible for you. And that's where the battle's going to lie. Uh, Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Who diligently seek Him. That, that word works, it means to put forth power. So, listen again. To this end, I labor, I, 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 I agonize, striving, entering into a contest according to His Working, which is to put forth, he's putting forth his power, and then it works in me mightily. It means that he has put within me and within you this power that is signified by who he is. Because that's what that mighty uh, power. Is, is about. It's the dunamis power of God. Some people call it the dynamite power of God, which is where it's at. But it's the power residing in a, in a thing by virtue of that thing's nature. 
Now think about that for just a moment. I mean, we could go to Ephesians chapter 1, we see some of the same words and see the same principle. Paul says, I wish you would just get this, that the power that God has in you and in me, He wants us to accomplish the ministry we have, he wants, He's given us victory in, is the power that is residing in Him by virtue of who He is. It's the same thought. Dynamite wouldn't be bad if it didn't have nitroglycerin inside of it. Can I get a witness? But because of what's in it, you remember some of the old movies, the old wagons and bouncing around in the dynamite and all this stuff? Some folks do. They don't have dynamite. No, we got all kind of fancy stuff now. But, but because of that volatile thing that's within inside of it, you had to be careful with it. Do you know that God that, that is within us? Now, well, it's something I want to work on with Sawyer. Sawyer, do you realize that those Tonka trucks are made out of metal and that God made the earth? And so the metal that they made the trucks from, God made the ore that they mined out. God gave them the wisdom to be able to do that. God gave them the strength to be able to do that. So the Tonka truck, it's cool. And it's strong. We don't allow Tonka, metal Tonka trucks in the house. We have enough remodeling to do. We don't need any extra. We have plastic trucks in the house. It's amazing what they'll do. But think about it, folks. That the very power that spoke everything into existence, that keeps your heart beating, that causes the sap to rise in the trees and the coastline to come in and out is the power that's residing inside of you. That the same power, it says in Ephesians 1, that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And Paul says, I just want you to get it. I just want you to grasp the fact that your, your, your resources are not limited. Your, your, the, the, the hope that's within you is not shortcut. That, that, that you are not powerless. In your flesh, yes, you die. But in Christ in you, the, the spirit man with inside of you, that you are to rise up above all the things. That, that our pride is nothing in comparison to His power. And, and, and see, God's working to change you and to change me. He is working victory out in my life and in yours. Every day that I submit to Him, the victory is sweeter and sweeter. It gets sweeter as the days go by, right? I'll end with this. Since I started on this journey, since my life he controls, since I gave my life to Jesus, I can't even remember the rest of them now. 
plenteous grace he bestows. That's, that's it. Every single day, the power of Christ working in me is transforming me. And the victory is growing in my life. The victory is sure in him. What's it going to be like when we get there? Do you think it's a good thing for God to change you? <laughs> be careful about answering that one. Do you think it's a good thing for God to change you? Or do you think that you're, you just wish everybody else would change? Because you've arrived. <laughs> Victory. I want to see us victorious. I have a responsibility. You have a responsibility that we might see each other be victorious. Not just saved and going to heaven, but that we're sanctified, set apart for His glory. And that's a lifelong process, friends. That's a lifelong process because He's going to finish the work that He started in us until He gets it done. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.